Hi, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Fundamentalists Podcast. Uh, uh, my name is Elliot Morgan. I'm a bit tired. Uh, I am here with my podcasting partner, Peter Rollins, who is not tired. You're doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty good. It's the yeah. morning. I'm always good in the mornings. Yeah. By seven o'clock, I want to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. I got you just in the nick of time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pete, congratulations. We have done yet another year of the fundamentalists, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're kind of getting weekly. Are we getting weekly? We're getting bit? back we're to weekly, getting, except yeah. minus New Year. We probably won't have one that week, oh, yeah. but we'll have one that uh, week after. Yeah. I thought about doing a thing where after we film this episode, we could do like a New Year's like toast oh but i might just want to go home <laughs> yeah yeah i might just want to have a drink yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. See we'll see what happens um so thank you folks if you've uh stayed with us um we've had two very crazy years mm-hmm. you've had an insane year um have I? I would say so you've uh, been around la and belfast pretty frequently that yes. i feel you also we started this year living together that's right i know this is like this is sad that that's no longer Dude, the case we i was uh it is sad because i was talking to um we were doing the valley cast uh episode like end of year episode a couple days ago and i was like 2019 has been my favorite year and it sucked it sucked for a lot of people mm. uh it sucked for you in many ways yeah. uh it sucked for me in many ways um but i was like this is such a cool year because i went from living with you which was wonderful mm-hmm. to living with my girlfriend which is wonderful and also all the stuff with valley folk and then like bring the funny and then like you know all the the drama that ensued after that and uh it's been such a frenetically like it's been a high volume year yeah yeah there's been a lot going on so, yeah yeah so what what are any year's resolutions yeah i got a lot i actually do them do you, you actually, yeah, I know you're the type of idiot who does. Yeah, don't type you? Of yeah, idiot. yeah, that's right. I know. But that. the thing yeah. is, I tend to, I've talked about this, I tend to stick with them for the most part. Yeah. So I can't not buy into it because I don't, I don't do the, I don't fall into like, I'm going to make it and then not stick with it. But I stick with it. Yeah. For so a time. Okay, are there any you can share? Or are they all private? Yeah, there's one. Well, one is um, completing the film that I'm writing. Okay, yeah. Co-writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one. And even though according to the schedule, it should be done by January <laughs> or something. It's very <laughs> soon. Um, and yeah, just generally being healthier. I think I've, I've been going through a process of going like, uh, I know that I just need to be healthier to give myself space to actually do and find my next course of action. But it's, I, I did I did a Peloton. Is it Peloton? They've got a Peloton bike downstairs. Do they really? With the I thing with it. the screen? Yeah. <laughs> I literally went to the most basic one. Like I went to like sure. beginners, like your tool start. You're kind of like yeah. you're 90 years old. To try never exercise. Yeah, but I still couldn't do it. I mean, I think I was tired by the warm up. I realized that she was, she was still in the warm up section before we even got into yeah, that's the exercise. Day. I was like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. This is bad. Yet uh, this year has been. I was. I think I've been healthier this year than I've ever been in my well, life. Beast body, and they don't even. They don't. They even don't sponsor. Don't us. even sponsor. Yeah. I, I stand by it. I've also been unhealthier than I've ever been in yeah. my entire life, and yeah. there's just been periods of like. Nah, I don't give. I, whatever it is, whatever it's kind of you're like. It is. It's like you're you're. This is dialectics. You kind of both destroy your body and also are trying mm-hmm. to work to preserve your body. At one and the same. You are the symptom of uh, the universe. Thank you. The, the, the yeah, because it is funny. How that was I, my aim name in yeah. high school. Symptom like, of the universe. I, I I could. I'd like a picture of you smoking a cigarette while jogging on a jogging machine. I think that's kind of like the a perfect example of yeah. your lifestyle. Yeah. There's like yeah. I. Uh, Sometimes I'll go out at work and Steve will have like marijuana and then I'll be smoking like some weak, terrible cigarette. And then I'll be like, this is, this is my one today. Yeah. And it ends up not being my one. And then I like, we'll do that. And then he'll hand me a joint and then I'll be like, yeah, something could be a little better here. In yeah. this, uh, <laughs> this behavior. Um, so yeah, the new year is just being like, okay, it's kind of, I think I'm going to put to rest the, a little bit of the um, college kid that I've been for the past year. So what about you? Do you have any? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. But I will think about it, I think. I mean, I didn't even know Christmas. I like, it's so Do you feel it? Like, do you feel the end of year, uh, like, 
time to switch things up, time to think about things, reflect on things? No, I think I've, I'm just so detached from time. That's a solid no. That's a solid no, a solid no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't even pretend. I, um, but, but you know what? I will maybe think about it. Yeah. You know, because it is kind of cool to have markers. I mean, markers are important. That's what it is, yeah. yeah. So uh, maybe think about what I want to do next year. I've been very comfortable in terms of my work, and I do want to shift things up. Like I'm a little bit too comfortable. Yeah. Um, it would be good for me to go on tour again, do that kind of thing. And what about book writing? How you I doing know, there? What's I going need to, on? I need to write some books. I Peter know. Rollins, thank you for joining us here at this 2020 interview. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Rollins, when can um, the audiences expect a new work? Do you feel the pressure is greater now because of the time frame? Like, do you feel like what you come back with needs to be your like magnus opus? What's the term? Magnum opus. Magnum opus. Close enough. Um, magnus you, you know, the thing is, I am a communicator who kind of then uses whatever kind of means of communication is available. And so I did write a pile of books, but that was before technology was where it was at. Yeah. So now I do loads of talks on using, you know, the internet. Um, so I do still want to write, but I think, I think it was just, oh, this is a better way to get my ideas. I, like li literally I can give a talk online that more people will watch then we'll write, we'll, we'll, then we'll read one of my books. Yeah. Like in a day, one seminar. Well, let me ask you this. Do you feel that's like- That's 10 people. Yeah, yeah that's 10 people, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, do you feel like they, or do you feel like you are able to get out what you want to say in those talks? Or do you feel like there are ideas that you want to explore that would take a book? Yeah, no, see, books are still vital because books allow you to be very systematic and go a lot deeper um, and stick with a point. So a talk yeah. generally, um, they're not a systematic. They don't have footnotes, the, all of that. So yeah, there's definitely a big place for books and I need to get back to it. But but I um, I kind of wrote six in a row and then, and then I kind of stopped. And it's very hard to say what I am now because even when I was writing books, I didn't think I was a writer, but at least you could say that. What do you do? Oh, I'm a writer. Yeah. Now I guess, what, what do you do? I'm like, I... I don't know. I don't know what I am. Well, I to segue, before we get into the topic today, which is enjoyment, I'm going yeah. to take a moment and enjoy uh, this conversation or this tangent because it's interesting that you say that because I was also listening to one of Rob Bell's podcasts ah. and it was, I think it was his one of his recent ones <clears throat> with, um, I think his name's Alexander Shia and uh, who just has the most soothing voice ever. So it doesn't matter what he's saying. But um, I was listening to that and and rob was saying similar things about when he was like if you ask me what my career is or how my career is doing uh i just laugh and i was like that makes a lot of sense because for one i see that in you and i see that in rob and i also see that in myself a little bit where it's like well what are you yeah. And it's like, for me, doing stand-up comedy is wonderful because I get to say that I'm a stand-up comic. Mm -hmm. And I could do, oh, I do stand-up. I do stand-up, I do internet comedy, I do sketch comedy, I do this, that, and the other thing. But then I'm like, yeah, no, not really. Yeah, I don't yeah, like yeah. doing stand It's I don't consider myself a stand-up comedian. I don't consider myself a comedian. So yeah, that's a fun, that's a, a fun uh, uh, thing to explore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the term cult leader. But I'm not really that either. But I think maybe I should start a cult. You're close. You're close. Yeah. You definitely have have cult like followers. I mean, I think that you you have eh, you don't have it's not really cult. But see, I want to do a cult so badly that people will never want to join a cult again. So I'm kind of like the worst cult leader you could have. That sounds like the best cult leader. Well, yeah, you kind of like- Give them the cult that makes them go, I don't need any other cults other than this cult. Yeah, and then, oh, <laughs> including this cult. Like, I, I'm going to, oh. I want to be so bad that not only do I disillusion people about me, I disillusion people about anybody. Yeah. And then and then you're free. Well, you're doing a great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Disillusioning people all the time. Um, so this is a podcast where we talk about philosophy, theology, comedy, all sorts of stuff, life anecdotal stuff, and also um, more academic stuff. And so, Pete, uh, because this is going to come out around Christmas, New yeah. Year's, we are talking about enjoyment. Uh, what are your thoughts? Let's explore it. I love enjoyment. I'm very good at it. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait to tell to hear why it's bad. Okay, oh, brilliant. Well, or temporary. Yes, yes. Oh, so you, you think you know me so well, but I, I think I can still 
uh, I can still surprise you. I think you can, and I can't wait. Okay, well, this won't surprise you, right? Um, <laughs> this, I'm not starting with no. it. But that's what you do. You bury the lead and then surprise me. Later. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yes. Oh, you, you, oh, you're, you're, you're a pro. I'm coming yeah, at you. You're coming yeah. at me. So, well, yesterday I did um, uh, a conversation with a psychoanalytic psychotherapist. Um, Is this the person you were telling me about? Yeah, this guy, Sean. No way, McDonald. cool. Yeah, oh, yeah, I did it. It's called Surviving Christmas. We had a great conversation. Wow. You can get it on my Patreon if you want. Well, you can get it on my Patreon, but I'm actually going to give it out for free on Christmas Day, so you don't have to pay for it. Mm, um, there you go. You, know, you just have to pay for it, as in you have to listen to it. Yeah. But uh, it was a really interesting conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were talking about enjoyment and that's what made me think about this because Christmas time is a time in which uh, the super injunction to enjoy is at its maximum. So Lacan, the psychoanalyst, he talked about how, you know, we talk about the superego, right? And we think the superego was all about saying you should be nicer to your mom. Uh, you should be a better person. But Lacan Who talked you about think how you should be. Yeah. And it's always kind of like, it's almost like a, an authority figure that's always telling you off. But Lacan talked about how, like at a very basic level, especially today, the, the way the superego injunction manifests is actually not in, an, in a way to tell you to have less enjoyment. It's actually a demand to enjoy. Everywhere you look, uh, there's there's adverts and magazines that are basically demanding that you enjoy. They're telling you that you should be having a good time. And in fact, you know, you take a tablet so you can have sex longer, you, know, you take drugs, whatever it is, everything is basically, it's like telling you that you're not having a good enough time. Yeah. And this super injunction to enjoy is actually quite a, a, a burden to bear, right? And at Christmas time, you see it everywhere. But here's the thing I wanted to talk about right, in relation to this is, did you know, I'm sure you, I, mean, I think you did know this, but that Freud's nephew, uh, is a guy called Edward, I think it was Edward Barneys, who came to America, uh, went to New York and became the founding father of public relations and advertising. So he was the one who basically developed the theory and practice of advertising. And he used... If I knew that, I either forgot it or didn't realize how cool that is. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, yeah. it's really interesting. That's, I mean, that's perfect. That's just yeah. beautiful. It's like, that, it's like the ultimate heresy of psychoanalysis is this guy who... Or the ultimate use of it yeah the ultimate yeah yeah like in terms of yeah yeah definitely like the, the ultimate misuse of it or whatever because and he was obsessed with freud like he always talked about freud and he tried to get freud to come to america in fact they were offering freud lots of money to come to write articles for papers and mm -hmm. freud just wouldn't do it in fact i think hollywood you have to fact check me this but i think hollywood some hollywood directors tried to get freud out to help them write scripts that would be more appealing to the audiences but Freud obviously just didn't do any of that. But this nephew of his came out. He, uh, Life magazine uh, put him as one of the most, 100 most influential people of the 20th century. Yeah. And basically what he did is he took the understanding of desire that Freud was developing, mm -hmm. and then he used it to sell products. Yeah. He basically, and so what he did is basically what Freud With was- With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, and he definitely didn't have the responsibility. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, it is the ultimate kind of like, I mean, fire can cook food or it can burn. And um, he's the, you know, Freud's trying to cook food, this guy burned a lot of people yeah i mean that's that is uh that's dark and also very interesting yeah like, oh, just from a like i would watch a movie about it yeah i'm surprised there isn't a movie i think there's a yeah. documentary which i haven't seen about him but it would be a great movie yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i would love to watch that um, i mean I, i'm guessing i've never watched mad men but i think there's an element of mad men that probably <laughs> is implicitly referencing him there is um I'm guessing anyway yeah no mad men is what i always think about when you bring up old advertising just because mm. it's what i i always i and i never watched mad men but i always remember the scene of don draper like flipping through maybe it's the pilot or the second episode but he sees like it's a volkswagen ad and it says like this car is a lemon and it's like a yellow volkswagen and uh -huh. he's like he like freaks out because he he realizes that they are making fun of the fact that people are making fun of them or something like that. Like he, he realized that, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a Mad Men fan. And I, that's such, that's a memory that's so far in the back of oh, my yeah. brain. I don't know what it is, but anyway, it's super interesting. Yeah. Well, um, you know, one thing he did, by the way, that connects with what you're saying and with Mad Men, because I think cigarette smoking was something that Mad Men yeah. dealt with, is that uh, Edward Barney's, he basically, very clever, this is, this is done all the time, but, you know, used 
was able to sell more cigarettes by making it a feminist thing. You know, if you smoke, you know, you're a feminist. So he did very clever things where he very he weaponized and he um uh he consumerized uh movements. I'm really glad ways. that's not happening anymore. I know. Yeah, it stopped. Yeah, a long time. It's ago. good to see. It's good to see us grow so quickly. <laughs> uh, I said he said pretentiously. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What was I going to say about the the? Oh, do you ever feel? It, there's Freud mm-hmm. as an archetype, and then there's Freud's nephew as the mm-hmm. other archetype. I can understand at times. I, I really enjoy listening to things about like psychops and like that kind of thing. And yeah. like you say this thing, you kind of you talk about it a little bit, but like connecting with people in conversation in real time and being like meeting them where they're at, etc. And then sort of when the time is right, mentioning something that maybe if you had led with that, they would have shut it down. So like, right. you know, like you, you'll talk about how, um, if you come up to someone and you're like, I think your, your partner is, is cheating on you, uh, they might throw you out of the house. But if after a while, it's not because they don't believe you, it's because they know it to be true on an yeah. unconscious level. But then if you wait for the right time, if you like with their guards, excuse me, you're down, maybe then you can kind of sneak it in. Do you ever feel like when you have an understanding of the unconscious and an understanding of psychoanalysis that it benefits you in ways that are almost like a little, um, not super powery, but you can kind of see <laughs> through people a little bit? Like it becomes like, it, it's a really good, I think, framework to sort of see people through because when you can understand them that way, um, I think you can actually be closer with them in many ways, but you can also, it also feels kind of gross to me sometimes yeah. because I'm like, I know, I don't want to sit here and preach at you and be like, I think unconsciously, would, I think there's some kind of desire here that you're some kind of, I don't want to do that because that's not fun and it feels gross. But at the same time, I don't, I want to be honest with people about where I think that they're at based on what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's loads in that. My goodness, there's loads in that. I mean, one, one thing I'll say First of all, is it, one of the things one of the one of the things that Freud did early on. By the way, is he he was he was practicing hypnosis and suggestion and all these things because he was looking for what works, right? Mm-hmm. And he moved away from those partly because, not because they didn't work to some extent, but because he noticed that what was happening was he was basically suggesting things to the other. And you could manipulate people to a certain extent. Yeah. And that can make you feel good. And it can also help the other person in a very small mm-hmm. way. No harm, no foul. Yeah. But what happened is the more that they distance themselves from that authority figure, the more the the change diminished. So mm. he, he found it both maybe morally repugnant, but also actually ultimately it didn't work. Unsustainable. Unsustainable. And so what he developed is a theory that really is about get helping the other person do all the work. And I, I like that about it in, in the sense of like he would say, you actually don't know the unconscious of the other. You can't, of course, everyone, you can manipulate to a certain extent, people, et cetera, et cetera. But, but ultimately, um, you don't know the, un- the other person doesn't even know You themselves. don't know, but you also, I mean, you know sometimes when it's like, so obvious. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, like you see yourself. Like when you when you almost are frustrated with the other person, where you're like, you know, you're wanting a little bit of the bad stuff you're experiencing. Like oh, yeah, you yeah. hear that you even in your language you want to be in this bad relationship or in this bad job. Uh, so that part I can. I can understand yeah. being like, yeah, that that's there, but, but that's true. And and people the are whole always, of someone's yeah. unconscious, of course, yeah. yeah that's. And and you're right. Like people are always telling you the truth. I mean, uh, Lacan said this in his uh, little book, television. But it's like, like, like when you really look at people, not yeah. what they say, but you just you just look at what people do and how they sit and how they drink their beer and whether they're drinking beer. What everything is telling you stuff. So yeah. people are constantly communicating, constantly telling you the truth. And um, it is interesting, like any academic discipline, whether it's psychology, physics, biology, it's 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 revealing something about the world. And so, yeah, so and I love that. Like, I want I want the world to be revealed to me in a variety of ways. And psychoanalysis does reveal the world in an interesting way. Um, yeah, one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done of the fundamentalists is the, um, and it's also I think one of the better uh, hitting ones is Malcolm Gladwell is wrong. Uh-huh. And um, which was my title. Yeah. 
I think we only mentioned them once very briefly. Yep, but that's yeah, how that's I get them. Yeah. You said days. it was clickbaity. Yeah, yep. it was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was. I'm basically for. I'm Freud's nephew. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I was listening to his. He recently guested on Joe Rogan, and he was talking about how humans, when it comes to when people speak, when people talk to you, we've evolved to trust human beings. Like mm-hmm. trust has become ingrained in our uh, survival because generally speaking, people are telling the truth and people are not lying to you. And if you assume that everyone is telling the truth, you might get burned. You probably will at some point, but generally it will help Mm. you move through life better and more easily if you take people at their word. Um, The part that Malcolm Gladwell, I think, does not at all acknowledge is the unconscious stuff, which is so interesting to me because I feel like the conversations that he will have are so good, but they're just missing. It's like, yeah. it's That's so my issue above with Joe the water. Rogan, by the way, like Joe Rogan, he, I think he does, he, like he, well, he's doing fascinating things, bringing interesting people on, but he always well, brings dude, on people who- I'm telling you, man, you would be a great guest on Joe Rogan uh, because I didn't even tell you this. Uh, on the way back from Palm Springs, we the the traffic was bad. It was going to be a long drive, and we listened to your episode with Pete Holmes. Oh yeah, uh, and I was like, Chris, I was like, listen to this this whole thing, and we listened to the entire most yeah. of the podcast. It was great. Um, both you and and Pete Holmes in it are fantastic. Oh, thank but you. But huh? you, I, when I watch people like Malcolm Gladwell on Joe Rogan, I'm like, Pete could actually add something to this, like not convert yes, Joe not, yeah. to some psychoanalytic Lacanian whatever, but like. Just another educating angle. people a just little another angle. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. something like, oh, okay. Yeah. Because they both are so in this camp of like, it just seems very, um, it's all visual. It's all, you take everything as it is. And it's like, oh no, that's not what's fun about psychoanalysis. Psychoanalysis is just like weird, weird shit. But yeah, anyway. No, it, it's definitely, it's like, it's all fascinating what he does, but it's all kind of either explicitly or implicitly evolutionary psychology stuff. Like yes. he loves that stuff and I get it. But I can't but, say I don't, yeah. Yeah, and you love it too. Mm. But there is, um, it would just be f- interesting for him to interview um, someone who, takes a, a different a different angle you well know? evolutionary psychology i think to me just makes it's like a no-brainer like it makes yeah. sense but what i like about psychoanalysis is that it, it's not a no-brainer it's yeah, very yeah. <laughs> very strange and silly it, yeah. um and contradictory so anyway mm-hmm. sorry to derail entirely oh yeah enjoyment oh yeah we're uh, back we're back we're back and and on the thing you said because i thought the question you had is so many good things to it is that oh yeah like, what, like one of the worst things is when a med- medical doctor uh, goes and works for the government to work out how to torture people effectively. Yeah. Or when someone who is trained in psychotherapeutic psychoanalysis, or whatever, it goes and works for the government to work out how to psychologically torture someone. They are like, she's ex talks about like basically the only people he would like to put into a hell are those people who take- Who've been gifted with the- the Life-giving things. Yeah. Life-giving, beautiful things, and then use them in order to try to destroy, to destroy life. Let me ask you this, if I can throw in, because I don't, I want to keep here and we're going with this yeah. thought. Let's call them a friend of a friend, highly intelligent, highly educated, um, worked for the same company for a long amount of time, scientist, right. uh, ethically very like conscious, like knows what's up, uh, has opinions, believes in like saving the planet and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. All that, all that stuff. So this person uh, needs a job, mm-hmm. not immediately. They're fine. They're resting. They're good to go. They've been very smart. They have an opportunity to, as a scientist, work for a giant pharmaceutical uh, company mm-hmm. that is, you know, sort of the, I mean, I'm at like Mariel or something, like mm-hmm. some kind of huge company that does good stuff, makes good, good medicine. Uh, but also is a, you know, it's a pharmaceutical company. They'll jack the prices up. They're, you know, part of the problem sometimes. Um, I'm kind of in this weird camp where like, I want people who have like a conscience to be kind of involved in the happenings of companies that can also be evil. Like, I feel like it's good to have a little good, good guy in there. But what do you think about that out of curiosity? Do you think it would be ethically wrong to work for like, let's say Disney? Is this you now? Is this, I've got a friend. I I switched it back to me. (laughs) I wanted to make it not about that person, but like, I, I, 
I respect the problem or the conundrum that they're in because yeah. they truly are like, I don't want to work for some company that's going to be like destroying the planet and like. And a pharmaceutical company is a lot more ambiguous because, so the, here we should do an episode on this sometime is like, you know, to what extent, you know, can, how, do, how do pharmaceuticals and, um, you know, things like anxiety and depression, like to what extent is that a, is that a good way to medicate? And yeah. to, or to what extent it is? And that's a complicated question. But, you know, pharmaceutical companies, it's that's definitely ambiguous because they do lots of good. And then sometimes, you know, you read about something that's bad. My, my issue would be more if, if that person you're talking about was uh, hired by a government to create a tablet that would cause an immense amount of suffering in a person without damaging them. That's a little them. more black and that's white. That's a little more black. And that's what I particularly hate, that obviously, because it's very black and white. But the reason why I say it is this guy, Edward, wasn't, he wasn't doing that, mm -hmm. but he was taking what Freud was doing and then went and goes like, I can manipulate masses of people to get them to consume products, for example, smoking. I can get more people to smoke, um, to make more money uh, mm -hmm. using these theories and principles. And Freud did what anybody who's, who should be, who's an, an intellectual, who's working in certain field, is to avoid their work being used in those ways. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of like the Hippocratic oath of, of the academic. And um, this guy, Edward, uh, kind of broke that because... He, he came to the U.S. and he basically founded what, what is modern advertising. And modern advertising is about galvanizing enjoyment. So what Freud was showing is like, we, we, you know, we have this, uh, you know, these injunctions, these commands. And uh, what Edward did is this command to enjoy. Like the, the great thing, Nike, Nike and Coca-Cola are the best at it, I think. So Nike's- McDonald's is pretty good. It's very good. What, what's their tagline? They, they've got a few, I'm loving it. Oh, I'm loving it, yeah. Well, here's, the, that's brilliant. That's the third yeah, one. because very good. Coke is it, was Coke's big tagline for a while. Just do it, was, do it. Uh, was Nike and I'm loving it, I'm right? Loving it. What is the it? that all of these companies are in. Like, these are the companies that, like the it is nothing and everything, mm -hmm. right? Just do it is like, what, what's being said is, right? It's, it's vacuous, it, right? Mm -hmm. What's Coca-Cola is just a syrupy, sh sugary, sweet drink. But whenever they're saying Coke is it, they're kind of saying Coke is the lost object. Coke is, this, this is yeah. the thing that will, that will satisfy with all of the imagery around that, whenever Nike says, just do it, they're saying, do the thing that will bring satisfaction. Well, and also, I mean, just to, if I, uh, to be mildly, not pretentious, but uh, to add my own bullshit, I think uh, the term just do it is a command. Mm -hmm. It's a very powerful statement. It's a very like, direct statement yep. it's something that you know what it means immediately no matter what who you are and i think in an era where people are looking for like a big other or like a guiding force some kind of big other going just do it makes them go okay there's there's a there's a path yeah which is super smart oh it's, it's brilliant like and it's so abstract it I mean, by the way, I think it's really interesting that the movie it is called it because like for me that what is it it's horrific Mm -hmm. the, the the sacred object is horrific. So if you if you're trying to think uh, whenever say I'm loving it, Coke is it, just do it. What is the it? The it is this this clawing, this thing that you, you know happiness and laughter is actually destructive. Great connection. Yeah, good oh, stuff. Go. That oh, was great. <laughs> is that good? Well, yeah, that's that's a good way to think about it. I'm pretty. I'm almost done with this beer, but still, that's really good. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Um, but. It, that's what the it is. I mean, I love the fact that they chose it. And you said it's a command. The, the Nike one is it's the super injunction to enjoy. Um, what what to enjoy? Yeah, it's the thing. And and then and then the advert basically puts flesh on what the it is. Mm -hmm. So it might be a burger. Like it's not just I'm loving the hamburger, you know, or just run or uh, coke as right. a syrupy drink. Right? It's not. It's not that. It's saying this concrete rubbish thing right whether it's trainers whether it's a syrupy drink or whether it's a really rubbish hamburger mm -hmm. these like those are like like gristles of reality they're they're rubbish but they they incarnate it yeah and, and it is horrific <laughs> never mind the fact that like 
I love Big Macs. Mm. Like I, I think they are wonderful. Yeah. And I know I'm old enough now to know that they're gonna pretty much, I'm done. Like there's no, there's no rest of my day after I have a Big Mac. Yeah. I, I could have a, or if I have like a McDonald's breakfast, I was writing with a meeting with Helen to talk about the uh, movie. It was after we did the party oh, on yeah. Thursday night. Yeah. And, um, and I was pretty hungover and I was like, I'm going to get a McDonald's breakfast sandwich, which I very rarely, I used to do it all the time. Yeah. I do it way less now. And I was like, F it, I'm doing it. Here we go. And I ate it and I was like, cool. I was like, yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm going to do this little writing session and I'm probably not going to do anything for the rest of the day. And yeah. it was just like, it ruins my day. But the taste of it is so nostalgic yes. and it hasn't changed and it takes me back to being a kid. So it's pure comfort food, even yeah. if it's going to destroy my day. And that's when you're like, oh man, this is some basic crap. This is yeah. like still trying to be like a little kid, be comforted, not have to worry about anything. Yeah. And the happy meal is going to make me happy. And the, and the fact that their logo is breasts, is really interesting because it's about it's kind of like at breasts. the mother's breast breasts you know the the m the the uh the golden arches is that what you call it i thought it was a bridge is it a, yeah, a three-dimensional yeah. bridge yeah. that's right well you know but if you look at it in a certain way it's kind of connotes uh, there's boobs there boobs, the yeah. mobile i've heard the mobile uh logo also with the red dot in the middle is a sexual like like uh what's it called Something messy. Penis. No, no. It is. what is it called? You forget Dick. the name of it. No. <laughs> um, what is, I'm blanking on the term. Subliminal. Uh, a, a subliminal message. Oh, right. Okay. I'm frank. I read this. Uh, I fell down this wormhole on Reddit that was like talking about the Democratic debates, and it showed all. It was like if you look at MSNBC and how they did the Democratic debates, uh, they put behind all of the quote unquote establishment candidates a blue background, but the anti-establishment candidates like Bernie Sanders and Andrew Yang all had red behind them. Uh, right. uh, apparently to make them more menacing looking. Oh, uh, yeah. We see, yeah, the, and these are all very subtle. But, when, but I when, think people are reading into when, them, yeah, but I think it. that they're reading into something that was unconsciously done as well. Yes, like yeah, it, we, yeah. I don't think it was intention. I don't think there's some grandiose thing to take down uh, Andrew Yang, but I do think that there are things that manifest as a result of, of people being like, nah, I don't know. Yeah. And there's a lot of, as you said, like there's a lot of people read into other things, what they see. Yeah. So whenever I say like the AM is, is can, connotes kind of the mother's breast, but like, I don't know, I'm not guessing that was conscious, but it's just an interesting thing that the, that basically that McDonald's is like the coincidence of opposites in philosophy. It is Coincidence of opposites, I think we've talked about it, is the highest and the lowest meeting in a in an event. So um, uh, Hegel talked about the spirit as a boon, but it's like um, the way of saying it is your subjectivity is in your symptom or the sinking of the Titanic describes the truth of an, of, a, of an era, right? Yeah. It's like the, the coincidence. Is, so whenever you eat a McDonald's, like it's a coincidence of actually a really rubbish burger. So it's it's like a really rubbish piece of food but it also coincides with what it meet childhood is, with what with 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 some sort of return to innocence, with some right. sort of golden age. I mean, it, it, and it, and so in the in the very eating of the burger, you're not just eating a burger; you're eating um, something else. There's there's an additional yeah. what's called objet petit a. There's an additional dimension to the burger. Well, it's called special sauce. Special sauce, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that yeah. There's a thing when you eat a McDonald's, a Big Mac that's like. On one hand, I am going against my absolute truest nature because if it was my true nature and I was devoid of some kind of subjectivity or whatever, I would eat fruit out of trees and water out of rivers. Yeah. And I would be like only eating to survive. I wouldn't be eating for any kind of enjoyment. Yes. But when I eat a Big Mac, I think I'm being truest to myself because it's taking me back to being a kid. And that's yeah. what I identify as, as a adult is like, oh, I used to be a child. Go back to being a child. That's my true self. Even though true self is like a human being that wants to survive and like take care of yourself and live for as long as possible. Yeah. Well, this this brings it to the difference between you know evolutionary psychology and psychoanalysis, and that's what I was hoping to get yeah, into today. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, it's true. It's like uh, okay, there's a we're not just looking after each other. That's we're the doing, that's yeah. the it's right there. It blows my mind. Yeah, when the, uh, yeah, well, and, and I do find it interesting because from from Grace's house you can see the breasts, and I do find it interesting that you like the look of those, and I can see the McDonald's sign. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good joke. It's a good one. Got it. <laughs> it's 
class yeah. structure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And, th and th this is what the super injunction to enjoy is, is like to enjoy it. Like every time you open a magazine, <laughs> every time, especially at Christmas, it's like, enjoy it. Yeah. It, it, it's a command. And, and, and the more you hear that command, the more dissatisfied you are. Yep. And what Edward was able to do is he was able to harness our dissatisfaction by so did, feeding it. Did this guy die happy? I don't know, actually. And um, Yeah, who does? But does, like, yeah. did he die? I mean, did he just do this for the rest of his life? I mean, did he become, is he, is he heralded, uh, maybe that might be the wrong word, is he uh, lauded in academia when you're no. studying advertising as being the father oh, of everything? In advertising, in public relations, I think he is seen as the founding father of, of the discipline of public relations. Do you know, before I knew I w enjoyed psychology and obviously way before I knew I enjoyed psychoanalysis, I loved the idea of doing advertising. I, I still love it. I think it's like, and it's so funny because it pops up every now and then. I did, Grace and I did a video where I read the, um, it was a sponsored video. So I read just some of the talking points that we were supposed to talk about. And many of the comments, all of them are very kind. Many of them were talking about how like, I'm, I was good at conveying the ad portion of the show uh, yeah. very genuinely yeah. and a bunch of people were like you should elliot should do the ad reads like elliot should be do and i'm like that's so funny because i actually kind of enjoy doing it and i enjoy it being kind of genuine like as much as gen like for the valley cast i'll do the ad reads for stitch fix or me undies and all that stuff and it's like easy to do because i actually do like these services yeah but it's fun to like yeah exercise that muscle a little bit so i can't i don't i don't necessarily hate this destroyed no, nephews yeah. so much. I yeah. think I might relate to him more yeah. than I... Uh... Well, isn't it? I mean, sure, I'm now a social influencer, as we talked Congrats, about last man. week. Yeah, yeah, I so saw I, your I, tweets. Well, then, then they didn't contact me for a while, and I thought, oh, well, they've, they've lost interest. But then they went, no, 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 far ahead. So I put my tweets out. But I did suddenly, when I did it, I did feel a bit weird because... Um, I'm enjoying the show and it was an excuse. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll watch this sci-fi show. I'll just put a couple of tweets out. But it is... It, it did, suddenly I did think about it and go, how do I feel about, you know, I'm not trying to manipulate, but the great thing is like I, I said from the start, I said, oh, these guys contacted me to spar out a tweet. I'm watching it. Here mm -hmm. are my thoughts. But there is something weird about like people ultimately, I'm not that big, so I'm not going to get much, but like people are wanting to use you to sell products. I mm -hmm. mean, they are like that's, you know, and, that, and that's probably potentially the way that you will be able to sustain your life mm -hmm. is through... And, and what advertisers are doing is it's less about even the ad reads. What they really want to do is so ingrain their product in the video that, that you don't even kind of know it's an ad read. Yeah. And, and that, which is totally fine. And that, that's cool. And, but it's, it's, it is still also something to navigate. It's like, oh yeah. Like, why are they wanting you to advertise something? Because, you know, potentially... I ask it that every time it happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? All right, I'll do it. But yeah. you're not going to like it. Uh, yeah. I uh, I think that's a fun, it's a fun thing for you because your audience is not like a, a YouTube-y, like they're not accustomed to the people that they're following being like, I'm being paid to promote this to the point that they might be like, what you have is is not a, a, a cult jokes aside. You are a um, still like an underground yeah. figure, yeah. and so when people find you, I think there's that's a, a nice way of saying unknown. I like it. I, I prefer underground mm -hmm. to unknown. Figure. Yes. Um, well, the cool thing is no one knows who you are. Yeah. So the fact that you're getting paid to say something, uh, but no, you, when people find you, I think there's a sense of ownership a sense of like going like this is my like this guy's got it you know mm -hmm. and he no one knows you have an underdog thing but the cool thing is what you talk about with psychoanalysis i think in in philosophy and theology all of these things play into an end product where you can kind of walk through life pretty lightly and pretty easily yeah. because you're you've become accustomed to the constant contradiction in every everything so when something like this comes along, that's like a paid post, it would actually, I think, be more disingenuous for you not to do it. Yeah. Because yeah. it would be acting like you give a shit and you yeah. don't give a shit. And you <laughs> no one should give a shit. It's a TV yeah. show. You want to yeah. watch it, watch it. Yeah. You're an adult. Do it adult. Yeah. Uh, but and, that's, people... and that's the things, the things that you're like, like that you're advertising are also like, it's things that are just kind of good. The point is, it's not about not wanting underwear sent to you every week. You know, that's totally fine. It's the difference is if you're asked to sell 
something that you're morally and then we abhorrent. don't and then you wouldn't of course we don't like, do yeah. um we don't do any for-profit uh colleges for okay uh, we do right. almost no colleges yeah like no because uh, you're against education i don't like people yeah. knowing things you, yeah yeah uh <laughs> it's the one thing you stand against when i started a thousand this, times new that's why we call this show the fundamentalists when we started this podcast i was like as long as we don't get people to think i'm good to go yeah um but yeah no it'll be one of those ones where it's like oh you just give us like 40 grand and we'll give you a degree and something and you're like eh, i don't think that's a good idea yeah um or like ones that are like online gambling and honestly if i'm being totally fair with you we because of me turned down like the adam and eve sponsorships i don't do like sex toy sponsors you it just weirds use me them. out don't you use them but you don't advertise them uh I'm not going to say that, but you said it, and I'm not disagreeing with it. Yeah. I'm just saying that you said it, and that's all there is to say about it. So uh, do Adam and Eve, do, do they have they contacted you? Yeah, there's been a couple. Maybe it wasn't Adam and Eve, but it was similar to a, like versions of Adam and Eve. Oh, right, and I have yeah. no problem with that stuff. Oh, I yeah. just don't want to have to it's do just, the ad read, and it makes me uncomfortable. And I'm like, that's that stuff. It's like going back to sex being the fun part about sex, being behind closed doors, is that mm. I, don't, I don't find a, a coolness in being like, yeah, go get yourself a hot, sexy toy. It's like people know that they can do that. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's fascinating in terms of this this super injunction to enjoy is weirdly whenever something like sex and these shops are kind of like, so the taboo is gone and there's just this direct demand to enjoy. Actually, what often happens is it takes the enjoyment out of it. Yeah. Is that, you know, so, so when it comes to sex and sexuality, part of the enjoyment is the taboo nature. Like even mm -hmm. um, there is a, a bataille, uh, he, he was very against kind of 1960s kind of explosion of like sexual promiscuity, not like, he, and he was a pornographer and a philosopher. He was talked a lot about sex. The reason why he, one of the reasons why he didn't kind of like it is because for him, there was, you, you want it to be a little bit taboo. Yeah. So this direct, this direct enjoyment actually leads to actually kind of lack of enjoyment yeah so yeah one has to that that's part of the problem with the super injunction to enjoy is either it makes you feel bad because you don't have it coke is it or whatever yeah. the it or you kind of you kind of directly get the it but without the taboo that makes it kind of like uh exciting yeah you know? yeah i remember and i i just remember being very single and i remember being very like when I would hear advertisements for things like that, it would just make me feel sad because it wasn't like that's some sinful thing that it's bad because it's it's adult, it's dildos or something. I was like, it just reminds me that I'm not in a relationship with someone that I like would even be an option with. Yeah, like, yeah. So it's like, I don't want, there's so many sad, lonely people out there that I don't want to be like, hey, sad, lonely person, you should save 15% off of a dildo for someone that is just imaginary in your life and you're never going to meet them and you're going to die alone. Like, I feel like it just is more. It, That's like, a good ad read there, right there. That's yeah. <laughs> hey, dork. Uh, what's up, virgin? Yeah. <laughs> you want to be cool? I feel like you're room? talking directly to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so. Yeah, yeah. Enjoyment. Enjoyment. Where are we at? Okay, so I like this. It's one of the podcasts where we're bouncing around, but keep coming back. Yeah, yeah I think we're yeah. We 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 can we can get back on course occasionally. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, enjoyment is the weird thing that we think in you know the command to enjoy. You know, great. We want to enjoy that. We think of Just tyranny as being what stops you from enjoying, right? Tyranny is what kind of is like mm -hmm. stops you from doing something. But actually, today we're under the tyranny of enjoyment, and advertising plays on this, and and uh, we often feel this kind of like. Um, then at Christmas, especially, is a point where you actually feel it. If anyone feels like this idea of a non-castrated other or the super injunction to enjoy, like our abstract terms, you just look at the Christmas cards. You look at the cards that we send each other of our perfect families, all dressed perfectly. These photos that that communicate some perfection. The adverts where there's a perfect turkey with a family all sitting around mm -hmm. with a perfect Christmas tree. And kind of, it's it's almost like you can feel this command that you're not enjoying enough. This is what you need to be happy. And uh, it can be deeply, deeply painful. That's why I think that's one of the reasons why Christmas is so hard for so many people. Uh, you know, tough, suicide yeah. rates go up, depression goes up. I think I, I've heard that yeah. is the case, but it can be a very difficult time for people because you are surrounded by this image and this demand to have a certain kind of lifestyle or ideal that it's kind of impossible. Yeah. yeah. Do you, um, 
You have no advertising around this apartment. For Christmas? Well, that for sure. But like, yeah, there's no, I feel like you don't have a lot of name brand. You don't, you don't succumb to the, too much of that stuff. You like your nice things, but yeah. you don't go crazy with it. Yeah, there's a lot of books. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out. All right. I'm trying to figure out what. What the next thing to talk about is. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, everything suppose, you said makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, then the question, I guess, is then how do we find freedom from the super injunction to enjoy? Like, if everywhere we turn, especially in Los Angeles, it's a big place, but in the Western world, if, if there is like, uh, you know, this command to enjoy yeah. and every TV, like lots of TV, lots of movies, whatever. How do we find a desert in the oasis, like a quiet place where we can not enjoy? Yeah. A quiet place where we can enjoy not enjoying. Where that, we can, <laughs> that's tough. I think uh, with Christmas, the thing I, if there's one thing that I've learned from Christmas mm. that has helped me as an adult Besides the beautiful nativity story and the fact that Santa is obviously a capitalist mascot. <laughs> uh, what's, what I've learned personally way before I knew how to articulate it till now, I think, is that I realized pretty early on that Christmas Day is fine. Mm. Like, I don't care. Like, yeah. it's, I, it's honestly, I'm relieved when Christmas shows up because I'm like, okay, it's mm -hmm. done. It's like Christmas feels to me like the hangover of, the partying you've been doing for the past month of going, it's Christmas. Like to me, the day of Christmas, the meaning of it, the joy of it, the fun of it, the enjoyment, it all uh, went away when I realized that all that is had throughout the month. And I love it very much. Yeah. And so I think there's some kind of lesson there, some kind of thing of like, I enjoy the journey. I enjoy looking at Christmas lights. Let's watch some Christmas movies. If we don't feel like watching Christmas movies or making like Christmas cookies. We don't need to, yeah. we don't need to do any of that stuff, but if we do great, we enjoy that. That's Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and that's helped a little bit with yeah. in, in growing up as a human, because now when it's Christmas, I don't feel a pressure to gather around the Turkey and be like Kumbaya or yeah. something. I'm like, Let, let's do it. But also I was raised in Florida. So when I go to Florida for Christmas, it's like, you know, we're out by a river, people are fishing. There's not a huge, it doesn't look like a Hallmark card. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and he and here's where the, I think the enjoyment of Christmas is for you and for anybody for me, is you could you could imagine that enjoyment is this fiction that occurs through the belief that the other person has enjoyment, and so to unpack what I mean by that mm -hmm. is, is that at Christmas time, for example, when people have kids, often Christmas becomes magical again because they enjoy the idea that their kids are enjoying it. But here's the funny thing is the kids enjoy how the parents are enjoying it because they see how excited the parents are bringing in the tree. And then what, what happens is, is actually whenever I command you to directly enjoy, you can't do it. But when you get your enjoyment out of imagining the other person is having enjoyment and they're getting enjoyment out of imagining that you're having enjoyment, then enjoyment arises as a type of fiction that is created through yes. the illusion of the other enjoying. And a way of feeling that is if you're watching a Christmas movie and you're getting really into Christmas and then you break up with a person, uh, suddenly you know, all of those things don't mean anything to you anymore. Mm -hmm. You realize you're actually not directly enjoying the Christmas tree, for example. You're actually directly enjoying potentially that the other person is enjoying it. And and, and so the weird thing is, it's like there's no enjoyment. Enjoyment arises as an illusion that's created through the fantasy of the enjoyment of the other. Yeah, but I also kind of like it too. You reckon? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's my only defense okay. where I'm like, nah, it, I still kind of enjoy it, but I know yeah. what you're saying. And I, I do agree. I also think when you're in that relationship and you are doing the cute, like Christmas stuff, yeah. there's also a part of you, I think that's investing in the future. Like, and it, you're investing in the idea that you might look back on it one day and be like, wow, that was so great. Yes. So beautiful. So yeah. wonderful. But you're right. Like you're not really enjoying it in the moment. You're just sort of being like. Because you can also enjoy, you can enjoy it in a sense of like, it's so when analysis, there's a thing called obj the object, which is your internal 
you know, your internal parent, for example. So yeah. Sometimes you can be enjoying Christmas because it brings you back to all of the enjoyment mm -hmm. that you imagined having Which whenever is great. you were a child. Yeah. And the truth it's is- It's vapor, it's but vapor. it's great. <laughs> well, that's that's the funny thing is like, it's this is um this is what I love about, um you know, this, this plays out in so many different areas, yeah. which is the things that are most important to us are a type of vapor that, that are so important. Like, so when you think about it in relation to enjoyment, it's like, oh my goodness. So my enjoyment is connected to the enjoyment of the other. And it's a type of fantasy. Yes, but it's real. It's yep. like, it's a, so, you know, sometimes it can be the nostalgia. Like if you go back to your parents' time, whenever you imagine those beautiful Christmases, it might've been a nightmare. Your dad might've been working overtime to, to make the money. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. You, you know yeah. all of this kind of stuff. And you know, your mom's having to kind of like- Which can also add everything. to the significance of it. Cause you're yeah. like, oh, it's high stress, but it's also high joy. It's high, you know, it's, it's uh, dad's working late, but also we're going out later to look at Christmas lights. Like it's the, the it creates fun dichotomies. Yeah. And, and that's the difference between the advertising world, which says, this is it, just do it, enjoy it, um, I'm loving it. Um, and, and the idea that, oh, it's not about grabbing and having directly it. Yeah. It's, it's actually weirdly the it, the object putia, the, the, the fantasy object is only ever grasped through its failure, through believing the other has it, through these interactions. It's like, it's, and in a way, advertising works by saying you can directly have it. Yeah. And Christmas is beautiful because ultimately, you know, it is something that is magical because we fantasize it's magical for somebody else. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, I mean, in my experience this year, it's been like, I'm always very, I'm pro Christmas, big fan, love it very much. Um, you want it twice a year. Mm -hmm. You're fighting for twice. I'm fighting a year. for a July one. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be lobbying very soon. Yeah, and that's why I'm I'm a Bernie bro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that. But um, uh, yeah, like the for example, the other night we uh, I had no intention of doing this, but my girlfriend brought home groceries to make Christmas cookies. Mm. And then I was like, this would be fun. I was like, I, I don't think I've ever done this, but she thought I was probably really into it because I say how much I love Christmas, but I don't remember making like decorating cookies ever. Uh -huh. uh, and so I started doing it and I messed them up horribly. Like they were terrible looking. And uh, I didn't know you had to let them dry. Uh, the icing melted. My snowman looked like a, a terrible ghost. And uh, and then I look over and, and Grace has got, she's made her own separate cookie that is in the shape of a hand with a bird. Yeah, I saw flipping that. Flipping off, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then she, she decorated it along with like the bells and the reindeer and the Santas and the stars, just this giant hand like flipping off yeah. the camera. And I'm like, that's so funny. But there was a part of me that's like, this is Christmas. We need to keep this serious. Like this yeah. is, how dare you? Like this is, you need to keep it to reindeer and reindeer only. And I was like, no, this is just part, like who gives a shit? Like this yeah. is, we're all just having fun and it's fun and it's beautiful. But that kind of thing I think is, it, it's, it's trying not to play into the narrative of like, we need to be around the turkey. It's like, no, we don't need to be around the turkey. Like on Thanksgiving, uh, we were in Palm Springs and there's a bunch of people, they're cooking a turkey. And Grace and I were like, we're gonna, just gonna go to a bar for a little bit. And it was like 11 a.m. And we just went and had a couple drinks before going back into the, the house with all the friends. And it was beautiful, it was all yeah. great. But I was like, doing stuff that's just like a little different and being like, eh, we don't gotta, we don't gotta do that. We can do this thing. Yeah. Makes it a little bit more fun. Um, but you, I think you can only get there if you buy into the fake enjoyment of being like, this is a holiday. Yeah. This is Christmas. We're going to do this. It's going to be cute. And we're going to take photos and people are going to like it. Yes. It's very fun. Yeah. Like it, I mean, I, I do keep coming back to this word it because I think it's, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's that when you directly go for it, um, and here, like most horror films, when you think about a horror movie, like horror movies are kind of about the over proximity of the mother in many ways. So we think of alien or anything like that, like the, and the yeah. mother as in just whoever, the mother symbolically as in the primary caregiver is that, that there is a fear when, of an infant in the creation mythology of analysis that, that you can be smothered by too much goodness. Mm -hmm. Like that actually to become a subject in a self is to differentiate yourself from the other. And so this over proximity, which is painful yeah. and terrible, but ultimately um, it's actually what you want. In fact, some theories of fantasy is that fantasy is the attempt 
by the child to to kind of separate themselves a little bit. So actually, if you could directly embrace the joy of Christmas, if you if you actually get it, if you live, and I've got a good friend, right? You know him, Jay Baker. And he, his family. Jay Baker. What's that? Jay Baker. Jay Baker. And his family, Tammy Faye and Jim Baker, mm-hmm. very famous American um, people. I'm, I'm hopefully going to produce a documentary about Sounds them. Sounds like it. Very it looks very cool. Yeah. Um, they, they we lived. should release his episode of The Fundamentalists soon. Oh, I know we should. I know. I just want to do a bit of editing and I'll never get around to it. I don't know. I, I just, we got to talk about fear. Yeah. Okay. Or, or I, I don't, don't remember edit. it enough. So oh, yeah. I trust what you're saying, but also at the same time, like, just release it. I don't just care. Just release it. You just, oh, did, yeah. you just did an expanse tweet. Uh, yeah. You can't care about <laughs> yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> okay. That's good. That's coming. Everybody yes. that is coming. That could be our new year's one. Wet your whistle. Um, that yeah. makes it very controversial sounding. Uh, um, so the, but with Jay, like he, his family were it. Like he, he showed me over the last few days, all these pictures that were taken at Christmas of his family. And they are the most kind of, kind of ideal version of Christmas that you can yeah. imagine. It was like the perfect thing, the perfect it. And it was utterly destructive, you know, for him is like that. The, the, that's that's the over proximity of 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 everything you want. That's the and that's the problem the of getting what you for want. Other families, was they it? had to be the thing that other families could look at and be oh, like, yeah. "That's how you do Christmas." That's it. That's it. Right. So, but if you get it, which he got it, it was a nightmare. And if if you're looking at it, you're going like, "That's what we need yeah, to aspire we're to." Always a little yeah. less than that. Ugh. But but if you're able to enjoy Christmas in all of its mistakes, and you're like bad cookies and the the, the cookie Profane. flipping you off and the terrible presents that that wonderful Grace is buying yes, you, yes. <laughs> which one of my favorites is that that really crazy frame of the of the peep the peep show. show. Yes, uh, it's a perfect. Yeah. So when we moved into separate places. You got me a wonderful housewarming gift that was the blueprint from the Peep Show apartment. Yeah. So Jez and uh, Mark's apartment loved it. Um, Grace then took it as a Christmas present and put it in this very, very gaudy gold frame. And she was like, I just think it's hilarious because when you look at it, it looks like it's like the blueprint <laughs> to like our first place together. <laughs> but when you look closely, it's just on a fucking TV show. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> like brilliant. She's like, put it wherever you want. And I'm like, I have no idea where I want to put this. Like, yeah. It's a gold frame with a blueprint. It, it's very yeah, funny. It's anyway. very good. It's very good. Yes, but that's, that's the fun part. That's yeah. the fun Christmas. It's it's kind of like, it, and that's the notion of revolving around it. You don't want it. You don't want to just do it. You don't want to love it. You don't want it. You want to revolve around it. You want yeah. to. And, and this is here. This is how I understand my work, by the way. So, I, I do this work and I call it parotheology. What is parotheology? It's nothing. It's just a made up name. But as I keep trying to explain it, I always fail. So every time I do a course trying to explain what it is, it's always a failure. And I go, I didn't quite, I didn't quite get it. But every failure generates a kind of, uh, it, it becomes more meaningful and it becomes something. Yeah. So every failure is generative, but you'll never get it. Mm-hmm. Parotheology is the it for me. But if I ever think that I can get it, I never will. What I enjoy is the constant failure to get it, where yeah. I continue to revolve around it and get better at trying to describe it. And yet it never is got. And yet in the failure, it becomes something. It's like that thing where there's like a rock and it's a finite object and you can take one one hundredth of it and you can take it out and a little piece of it and you can cut that in half. And then you can keep cutting it in half and you can keep cutting it in half and you can do that for infinity and you will never, ever, ever have nothing left. You yes. will only ever still have something. So you just keep going through pyrotechnology or pyrotheology, trying to explain it and you're going to keep getting closer and closer and closer, but you're never going to fully be able to be like, this is the thing. That is a brilliant analogy. So as Zeno's paradox, you know, he talks about, yeah, well, I think it's Achilles chasing a tur- tortoise and Achilles says... Uh, that Achilles will never catch the tortoise because to catch the tortoise, he has to go halfway. But before he can go halfway, he has to go halfway between that. Before he does that, he has to go halfway. Yeah. And the idea is that, you know, exactly what you said is is for for Zeno, it's like he never moves because he always, there's an eternity of like moving towards the tortoise and never getting it. Yeah. And that is a great analogy for the it. It can never be got. Yeah, it's also freeing me on a, a level right now, personally, of just career-wise with my own stuff, especially heading into the new year, being like, oh, okay, 
Like I, I think the thing that I have slightly more figured out that I didn't a year ago and certainly not two years ago is that um, it, it, there's no answer. There's no like, I'll write, I'll do my thing. I'll do comedy. I'll do Valley Folk. I'll do this and I'll do uh, all, everything I can possibly do. But I'm trying to give up the idea that there's some thing that's yeah. like, I, when I find it, I'll be perfect. And I think by doing that, I might actually fall into whatever a thing is yeah. that fits. So we'll see. That's it. I wonder, like, you know, I that's think- That's my takeaway, that, by the way. That's yeah, the that was the most profound thing yeah. I'll say. Okay. So, and and I, I do kind of go like, you know, what is your, like, what is your life? What is your vocation that all of those things connect with? And it, it might be kind of like, you know, how to, you know, how to live before you die in some respects mm-hmm. you know that could be the, the thing that you'll you never get to but in all the failures through comedy and through kind of podcasting and through writing you know and through film writing you know it's script, script writing potentially it's like it's an exploration on how to live mm-hmm. that um that you never get to but actually in the constant kind of like moving or revolving around that question you create all sorts of material yeah, you know. So yeah, I'm yeah. I'm realizing that too. Where I look back and I'm like, oh, I've done actually a fair amount of yeah. shit, but right, yeah, we'll so figure that, it out. Yeah, and that, that's my takeaway. And my takeaway is that actually, and this is really difficult to do, but is that that what is our fundamental fantasy, or what is our, or even what is what is it the thing that we want to revolve around for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. that that we'll never get, but the failure to get and the constant failure to get will actually generate. A, a true enjoyment by the failure to get it. Yeah. <laughs> and and by isolating and working out what you're, and I th- that's what I think a vocation is. A vocation is this impossible tortoise that you're chasing. And every time you get closer to it, you still quite, can't mm-hmm. quite get it, but you actually enjoy the fact that you're getting fitter and healthier for running after it. And a lo- for a lot of us, it's, it's going like, that's what I need in my life. If you don't have that, you'll feel like a ship cast to sea and you'll be going different directions tossed with the wind but if you can actually kind of to some extent orbit around something that 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 um uh that that's going to be kind of almost like i suppose a compass point maybe it's like a like a north pole center of gravity Um, center of gravity that's a good way of saying it yeah it's fun to try to figure out what it is i mean i I know with valley folk i go i i love the businessy side of stuff but i also know that we are in a democratically led company where it's sort of majority rules type of thing, which is great, but it also creates situations where things just take forever to get to happen. But then I was like, well, what am I worrying about? Like, I mean, Joe and Steve know what they're doing and we Mm -hmm. collectively pretty much know what we're doing. And, uh, and then I'm like, well, I could just take that same mentality and apply it to these things I keep coming back to, which is psychology and writing and like all these, like, you know, getting back into some weird performing type of thing, some weird scripted type of thing. And uh, it's all very exciting. Yeah. See, that's it. It's, it's less about trying to find something that animates you and trying to find out what already animates you, but you don't yeah. know. And that's what Paul Tillich called ultimate concern. He said, everyone has ultimate concern. You just might not know what your ultimate concern is. But so part of the job of finding your vocation is it saying, it's not looking around and going, what could I give my life to? It's going like, What's all? What already am I kind of giving my life to in a yeah. in a very w- without knowing? And how do I kind of make that clearer and then more kind of be more uh, what's the word intentional about mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it's like one one option is going. What's the thing that I will my li- I'll dedicate my life to because that's going essentially it's going. Who am I? What's my identity? And who am I going to be? Yeah. But if you do it the other way, it's going. Who who am I already? What what is this as it is? And then learning from what you've already established yeah. as like in behavior, which is a seems like a better way to do it. The, dep- the, the, the there's a the very depressing way of thinking about it. I, I, Mitchell and Webb did a great. Um, it was a it was an audio perfect note to end. Oh on. yeah, they did it like a, as an audio um, comedy thing. They did sketches, mm-hmm. and one of them I think I maybe said this to you before, but guy dies and he goes to heaven and he's in front of God. And God says, um, uh, you know, 14,750 with a big smile. And the guy's like looking at him. He's like, what, what do you mean? 14,750. What? It's like, you know, the, the, it's the meaning of your life. And he goes, what, what is that? And he says, well, it's, it's your score on Candy Crush. And the guy's like, well, why are you giving me the score on Candy Crush? He says, well, 
you gave yourself to that game so much that I guess that must have been your meaning in life, you know. So this is this is your final score. And like, that's very funny, you know. Oh, that's um, great. Very clever. But at a deeper level, your ultimate concern Hurts Hurts is like feelings. that. Yes, yeah. it's beneath Candy Crush. It's kind of you have to go deeper than Candy Crush. Yep. You have to get to somewhere really deep. Yep. But you will find that there's something that animates you um, in your life and uh and try yeah. to try to find out maybe that should be your new year's resolution if you're listening to this is to spend some time thinking what is my ultimate concern yeah what's already animating yeah your life yeah mine would be like 1.8 million and it'd be like that's how many likes you got on instagram sorry mine must I, have been I, what you care about the most mine's really depressing because mine is i am so obsessed with student blast Tomb I, Blast. I, Tomb Blast. I um I I I downloaded this little game after my Wake Festival because I was really tired and just wanted something mindless to do. Uh-huh. I started playing it, and it's been a year later, and I still will go on and do a Good. couple of levels of Tomb Blast. Yeah, you need, you, it, you need to rest. All right, everybody. All right. Happy New Year! Thanks for listening. Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry we will Christmas. see you in 2020. Bye, bye. <laughs>